Le seul podcast sur le PSG en anglais. Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host Ed, and what a historic day it's been for Paris Saint-Germain supporters. After a week filled with hope and optimism, okay, maybe a little dread crept in there towards the end, but the unthinkable finally became reality on August 10, 2021. Lionel Messi became a Paris Saint-Germain player. It had to be seen to be believed. I know I didn't quite believe it until I saw him holding up the PSG shirt and kicking the ball in the middle of the Parc de Prince. Uh, but officially, Messi signed a two-year contract with PSG with an option for another year. And according to Julien Laurence of ESPN, Messi is expected to earn between 30 to 35 million euro net per year. In a statement, Messi said that he is excited to begin a new chapter of his career at Paris Saint-Germain. He went on to say, Everything about the club matches my football ambitions. I know how talented the squad and the coaching staff are here. I am determined to help build something special for the club and the fans, and I'm looking forward to stepping out onto the pitch at the Parc des Princes. A better statement has never been written, if you ask me. Now, Messi is expected to wear the number 30 shirt that was unveiled when replicas of that number 30 shirt went up for sale on PSG's online store. They sold out in minutes, so... Kudos to you if you were able to snag one of those coveted messy shirts. I was uh, a little bit slow in, in checking that out, so I missed that, so I'll have to wait till they restock. But definitely plan to pick up my messy shirt because it, it's just historic. It's not every day a player of Messi's quality and caliber and historical stature comes to your club. So it's something, it's a keepsake that I definitely want to be able to pick up. Now, there's so many angles of this story that need to be discussed Shirt sales, economics, of course, that's one angle, but there's so much more, and luckily you don't have to listen to me go on about it. I had the opportunity to interview CBS Sports journalist Jonathan Johnson. He's based in Paris. He's a longtime PSG supporter. He's one of the most knowledgeable people about not only PSG, but French football in general. He's fantastic. He probably did 50 podcasts on Tuesday, so I'm just so thankful that Jonathan was able to save 30 minutes for us to sit down and have a chat about this just amazing deal, messy to PSG. And so we had a chance to talk about everything from his own personal feelings about the signing to where Messi might play, what team might, might benefit, uh, what formations the team could play in uh, this season, and maybe some maybe potential transfers even more later this summer. Who knows? Uh, it was a great conversation. Again, thank you to Jonathan. I hope you all enjoy it. So without further ado, here's Jonathan Johnson. All right, Jonathan Johnson from CBS Sports, and you can also hear him on the K Galasso podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today on this historic day in which Lionel Messi has officially signed for Paris Saint-Germain. It's late in the evening over there in Paris right now. Uh, Jonathan, have you at least had a chance to digest what has occurred today? And uh, the more important question, did you get a chance to buy a Messi shirt before they sold out? <laughs> I've not uh, I've not put in a purchase yet on the shirt, uh, but uh, I won't be waiting too much longer to do so. No, obviously it's you know huge news like this. Uh, you, know, you spend all day talking, writing, you know, doing whatever uh, regard, regarding something like this. So when, you know, when the news actually comes through, you know, there's, there's a fair amount of relief to it. 
but then it's only really then when that when it happens that you're able to sort of sit back and say, you know, wow, you know, this has actually gone down. And, you know, I think something like this, something so historic, <laughs> you know, it really takes some time to sink in. And I think it's going to be, it's going to still be a bit surreal tomorrow with the press conference. Uh, you know, it's going to take some time. It'll probably take up until I actually first see him in action. Uh, in a PSG shirt that, uh, that you know, this will finally start to, to, to really resonate with me. Yeah, and that press conference is tomorrow, 11 a.m. local time in Paris, correct? That's going to be an early wake up for you. Uh, very early, yeah. Uh, luckily, I've got a toddler, so I'll be up early. Um, you kind of hinted at this a little bit about how it's surreal, messy being officially a PSG player. And we should say that as we're recording here on Tuesday, the flurry of tweets from the PSG official count all the images of Messi. So it's really starting to sink in. But you've been following PSG since well before the QSI takeover 2011, 2012. Uh, Just you personally, what is going through your mind that a player of Messi's stature is going to be at the Parc des Princes? Honestly, if you'd have told me you know, sort of years ago, uh, before the the Qatari era, that Messi would play for PSG one day. I mean, I'd have been asking some serious questions about where you, where your head was. Uh, it's yeah, it's it, it's something that um, I mean, I think we've known for at least the last couple of years, certainly since 2017 when Neymar came in, when Mbappe came in. You know, the PSG are still capable of bringing in the really big names. But, you know, to think that they could bring in somebody who's arguably the best player in the world still at his age at 34, you know, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. And it's especially mind-blowing when you know where the club has come from sort of in the years before Qatar arrived in Paris. Uh, and, and also when you've charted the progress of the project since 2011 as well as I have, you know, if, if somebody had said to me from day one, um, you know, that this was going to happen, I'd, I mean, I'd, I'd have been sort of wondering if it was a lot further away in the distance than the, than this. You know, we're pretty much we've pretty much just hit the ten year mark, uh, and it's yeah, it's it's something that uh, you know it would have been very difficult to to imagine. Uh, you know, when when the Qataris first arrived, and let, let's not forget as well, one of NASA's first press conferences, he was asked, you know, do you want to go out and sign Messi? And he said, no, we don't want to go out and sign Messi. We want to sign the next Messi. You know, and you can argue that with the likes of Neymar, with the likes of Kylian Mbappe, PSG have already done that. Uh, and now they have Messi as well. So it's, you know, it's basically a who's who uh, of, of top class footballers in this PSG 11 now. It's almost comical and no slight to the 2010-11 PSG side, but it's just comical to compare who was playing for PSG back then to this potential starting lineup that they can run out there right now. I mean, it is, I mean, it's almost a, just embarrassing of riches, I guess is what you could describe it as. I mean, it is really incredible, the team that they've put together. So the deal is, it's a two-year deal uh, with an option to extend until 2024. I've been reading $35 million a year net, um, you know, with that option to extend. Um, my question about this is, is that, you know, that PSG is really the only team that could afford Messi. But I'm not so sure that's true. You look at that $35 million a year, yeah, that's pretty substantial. But you look at the commercial upside and the money that you would come come back to you by signing a player of Messi's quality. Is it? Do you think it's unfair when people say, oh, he just went to PSG for the money? 
I think he chose to be here. He he could have gone to any number of clubs. What do you? What's your take on that? Honestly, I think if the Barcelona statement about Messi leaving drops seven to ten days earlier than it did, uh, I think that there's another big uh, club with lots of money who've just dropped lots of money on a very uh, very talented player who's close to my heart as an Aston Villa fan. Uh, you know, I think yeah. that they would have definitely been in the in the mix for Lionel Messi's signature as well. So I think it was a, it was a question of good timing, but also something else that I think uh, we shouldn't forget. You know, I think this is a move that's long been in the making. We were listening to Javier Pastore on the radio earlier saying that whenever he and international teammates who play for Argentina have gone on international duty, that NASA has told them, you know, to, to put a good word in his ear about PSG's project. I think that tells you just sort of how long, uh, you know, PSG's, uh, you know, uh, current owners have, have really coveted him uh, as a target. And also as well, you know, I remember Leonardo when he did that um, unexpected Q&A question last year and somebody put in a question and said to him, you know, if, if Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi was available, would PSG go for them? And he said, you know, players of that caliber, PSG would be obliged to study the possibility uh, of trying to bring them in. And I think at that moment, it was quite obvious that there would always be uh, an interest from PSG uh, if one of those players ever became available. Uh, and, you know, with Messi's situation becoming more and more, I wouldn't say untenable, but, you know, precarious with Barcelona, it was just a matter of time, really, before PSG pounced. And obviously, they waited, did the did the right thing, and waited until it was Barcelona who came out and said, "Okay, you know, there's nothing else we can do here." But as soon as they did that, you know, PSG were in there. Uh, you know, they knew what they wanted. They made the deal work in a very short space of time. Let's bear in mind that it's it's less than a week since you know Messi was effectively back on the market, uh, and PSG have already tied that signing up. Yeah, just the the speed of the deal does make you wonder how long this has been in the works. Um, what does this do for Ligue 1? I mean, you and I, we, we like the French League. We enjoy watching it. We pay attention, obviously, to PSG and the other teams. But when you look at the media, the, the media rights, the broadcasting rights, not only just in France, but maybe I live in the United States, so let's focus on that, where BN Sports is, is the holder of the television rights there. Do you see things starting to get shuffled around and maybe new people want to come in to buy the rights now that Messi is there. Just the, the, the whole impact, because with the Media Pro deal collapsing and, and basically French teams struggling financially, now Messi comes in. How does that lift the entire league up? I don't want to speculate too much uh, about the American market, you know, about what BN might do. Uh, you know, we know that it's a, it's a difficult moment for them in the States right now. Uh, and, you know, we'll see how that resolves itself. But the thing is, with, with, with Messi coming in, it's not, we're not just talking about sort of one or two markets or potential audiences. We're talking about pretty much every market, every audience all across the globe. When you look at the amount of people that I've been in contact with over the past 24, 48 hours, as the move has come closer to fruition, honestly, it spans the globe. It really does. It's every corner. Uh, and it's it, it, as well that, you know, this really opens up some lucrative markets that were not necessarily uh, penetrable for, for PSG before. You know, I've, I've had people asking me from India, for example, um, 
you know, if, if this finally means that there's going to be a TV deal where they can watch Liga uh, in their home country because they desperately want to see Messi in action, this has the potential to, to change that. You know, Messi comes with his with his own audience. It's, you know, you know it, he, he's a player who transcends, you know, so many different barriers. Uh, and he, he's somebody that, you know, people will pay money just for subscriptions to a TV channel, you know, just to be able to watch literally just the matches that he's involved in. Uh, you know, and I think that that is a huge, huge boost for Ligue 1, especially at this moment of time uh, when they're when it's so vulnerable, uh, you know, after everything that's gone on. You know, you mentioned uh, the collapse of Media Pro, the economic impact of COVID-19 as well. It's It's been a really rotten time. Uh, for French football and for those who love the domestic game. So, you know, yes, there are those who sort of detract from the move and say that it's only going to strengthen PSG, uh, you know, and it's, it's only really going to matter to sort of one or two clubs and perhaps some of those teams at the bottom of the rung who will just be able to cash in once a season when Messi and PSG roll into town. I don't really see it like that because I think, you know, fingers crossed if the if, – if, if the, the powers that be uh, in French football can really harness this potential. You know, I think that the, the, the opportunity to offset a lot of the damage that's been done over the last uh, sort of 12 to 18 months, you know, the, the opportunity really is there. It just depends on how savvy, uh, you know, the decision makers can be. And fingers crossed, you know, that common sense uh, gets applied in a, lot of, in a lot of places, whether it's domestic dealings or, or international as well, because this, this, this is monumental for, for French football and for Ligue 1. Uh, you know, it's potentially a watershed moment. And, you know, if you can get uh, teams like PSG, like Monaco, uh, like Lille performing well in the Champions League this season, it really has the makings of being, uh, you know, that transformative moment that I think we've all been hoping for for French football for some time. You mentioned Messi's own audience. I mean, we've seen here at PSG Talk, we've seen web traffic up, um more hits on YouTube. I got to ask you, how many more Twitter followers do you have now? It's definitely closing on the, on the thousand mark. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, and also, you know, you look at like the Ligue 1, uh, English Twitter feed, for example, earlier today, you know, talking already about the, the, the jump in followers that they have, you know, that's what, that's what happens when you sign the greatest, uh, you know, this is akin to, you know, in, in basketball terms, if, if, if Michael Jordan became a, a free agent still sort of in his prime uh, and was picked off, you know, I know that he finished his career with the, with the, with the Washington Wizards, but yeah. it's, it's not really the same uh, with all due respect. You know, this is, uh, this is still a player who has a lot to offer. Let's not forget, you know, Messi is someone who managed to keep Barcelona alive in the title race or helped keep a, a very limited Barcelona side alive in the La Liga title race last season. Came to Parc des Princes, uh, you know, PSG were, were well up from the first leg and he still managed to give PSG a scare, scored a stunning goal at Parc des Princes. I remember being blown away watching that uh, in the flesh. You know, and he's someone who still obviously has a lot to offer on the pitch. And you look at some of his first comments as a PSG player as well. And he's obviously still very hungry, still has goals that he wants to achieve in his career. You know, still wants that next Champions League title, still wants that next Ballon d'Or. Uh, and the fact that he already has a Copa America title to his name with Argentina this summer, uh, you know, that, that suggests that there's still a lot of fire in his belly, which is a really good thing for, for PSG and you know I think that's that's why so many people are still 
emotionally invested in, in what Messi's doing because it's quite obvious that he's not done yet. Yeah, this is definitely not a situation. Michael Jordan could barely jump when he was in Washington. He was relying more on that jump shot. This, this is not the case with Messi. He's coming off the Copa America win with Argentina. There is that clause in his contract uh, that talks about he can get priority to Argentina playing friendlies and in international tournaments. I think he has eyes on Qatar um, in the World Cup. I think he's got a, a thirst for trophies, and I think he's going to do that here at PSG. So, yeah, th- I think the comparison just with an icon moving teams is similar, but I think that's where it ends because Messi is just a notch above where maybe Michael Jordan was at that time. Um, let's talk a little bit nuts and bolts. Let's talk about on the pitch. Where do you see Messi lining up? I've seen a lot of proposed starting lineups. I've seen him on the wing. I've seen him centrally. Do you, where do you see him fitting in? Or do you think Pochettino is just going to let him roam and, and do his thing kind of like he did at Barcelona? I mean, obviously we know that Messi is at his best when he's given, uh, you know, sort of license to, to do what he does best. Uh, and obviously it'll be a question of sort of how he blends with his teammates in terms of chemistry as well. Uh, if, if I had to pick a formation, I mean, uh, and I've, I've already worked up a few, um, you know, possible formations that I think of possible systems that PSG could deploy. The one that I think makes the most sense to me with the exception of one position is the 3-4-3. The three, three. You look at PSG's transfer dealings uh, this summer, you're not going to lose in goal whether you go with Keylon Abbas or Gianluigi Donnarumma. Then you've got three very high-quality central defenders uh, when they're all fit in Marquinhos, Presnel Kimpembe, and now Sergio Ramos as well. You've got Ashraf Hakimi, who's made for playing pretty much anywhere on the right-hand side of the pitch. Already scored a great goal uh, in the first game of the season. Yeah, he's so good. He's so good. And then, you know, you're looking into that midfield as well. You've already got players... Uh, you know, who are capable of playing different roles in midfield. I'd argue that the starters at this moment in time are probably uh, Jorginho Wijnaldum alongside Marco Verratti, but you've also got, uh, you know, the likes of Leandro Paredes and Idrissa Gay as well. I, I worry a little bit for Gay in terms of the technicality, but also at the same time, ball winners are very important in any team. And, uh, you know, Idrissa Gay is fantastic at that. My one concern about this particular formation, the 3-4-3, would be who plays on the left-hand side because if Juan Bernat was fit, then I'd say that he'd be a lock uh, to, to, to play in the majority of those games. I mean, it's been a long time since he's been in action, so maybe people have forgotten you know, how much he can bring to the team, how he chipped in with important goals, particularly in the Champions League. But if he, if he can get himself back to a good level of fitness, then I certainly think that he can still play a part. You know, with all due respect to, to Angel Di Maria and everything that he's done with PSG, I can't see him being a guaranteed starter every game. You know, he's not getting any younger. Uh, you know, we saw him looking a bit leggy at times last season. Uh, I think he still has plenty to offer on the pitch, but in certain matches and certain scenarios, I don't see him being sort of a long-term starter. Uh, and that sort of brings me to the attack. Well, I think it's quite obvious that you have... Neymar, Kylian Mbappe flanking Messi and Messi then is able to sort of drop back, pick up the ball uh, as and when he wants to, but then also drive forward as well and and create those goal scoring opportunities while linking up uh, with the likes of, of both of them. And obviously for Mbappe as much as Neymar, this is a really big moment uh, bringing Messi into the team because we all know about Messi's relationship with Neymar, you know, how how much they get on together. We've never seen Mbappe playing alongside Messi. Uh, you know, we know that he idolized Cristiano Ronaldo growing up, but he also grew up in an era where pretty much everyone, if they if, if they prefer one of the two major stars, Messi or Ronaldo, they have respect for the other one. And I think Mbappe will be 
excited to, to play alongside Messi. And obviously, we know that the, the situation with this potential contract renewal is dragging on. This, you know, has the potential to sort of tip it over the edge. I don't see how anyone could turn around now and say that PSG's summer has not been uh, an unqualified success. It's, you know, it's... It, it's probably one of the best transfer window performances that any club has ever had, especially when you bear in mind how much talent has come in uh, without any transfer fees actually being paid out. Definitely. And, and I think in that you answered a couple of my questions, I was going to ask you, who do you think will benefit the most from Messi being in the squad? Um, would you say it is Mbappe just with his speed and Messi being able to, to play him in the space and, and be creative in that way? Would you say it's Mbappe or do you think Neymar is going to benefit the most? I mean, I think Neymar and Messi will immediately, uh, you know, be able to rekindle their rapport from their Barcelona days. You know, they've stayed in contact. Uh, you know, and I, I noticed that Luis Suarez uh, spent a bit of time at the Messi household before the move. And I bet, I bet a part of Suarez was very envious of Messi linking up with Neymar again, given the success that they had. You know, and there's the potential for, for, for Mbappe, Neymar and Messi to have that sort of prolific edge uh, you know, the Suarez, Neymar and Messi had together at Barcelona. It might not be exactly the same dynamic, you know, the, the players are a little bit older now. But when you add someone of, of Mbappe's quality into that mix, you, you don't know how it's going to work out. It depends sort of on the balance that they can all strike uh, in that attacking lineup. The one thing that I think Messi will really bring, and it's something that I don't think many people are paying that much attention to for the moment, is the leadership aspect, you know, between him and Sergio Ramos, especially in a squad full of so many players that speak Spanish as one of their sort of two main languages. That is massive for PSG, you know, especially when you look at their Champions League ambitions. Uh, you know, we already know PSG have gone very far in the last couple of seasons, beaten in the final by Bayern Munich, lost in the semi-final to Manchester City. And having this boost in terms of experience, in terms of authority, you know, players that the rest of the team can look to when the going gets tough, guys who have been there, done that in literally every scenario you can possibly put in front of a, a football team, you know, that's going to be a major, major asset for, for PSG. And I think that for me, that's sort of one of the, the, the main qualities that Messi uh, and, to a, and to a lesser extent uh, Ramos uh, and also Wijnaldum as well, as somebody who's sort of been around the block uh, a fair bit, you know, they're going to bring to this uh, team. And I think that's that's really important, especially for younger players like Mbappe, who, you know, as great as he is, uh, and he is a phenomenal player, he looked a bit lost at times with France in uh, Euro 2020 this summer. And, you know, I think it also kind of showed you the, the, the human side of, of Mbappe, especially after that heartbreaking penalty miss against Switzerland. So to have somebody like Messi now in the group, somebody that he can, uh, you know, talk with, uh, you know, and sort of exchange uh, opinions and positions with, you know, that's, that's going to do him the world of good, I think. Yeah, and, and Mbappe does speak Spanish, doesn't he? Pretty well, I think. You, you'd assume he's learning by now. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, if he's going to Real Madrid, it would probably suit him well. But to that point, I mean, yeah, would Mbappe sign just maybe a year, an extension, just so he can have those two years to play with Messi? And then at that point, he's going to be, what, 24 years old, and he can still go on to Real Madrid or wherever else? I mean, do you think that his extension whether it's a year or two is almost a, a sure thing at this point like why would he leave it at, at this point 
I wouldn't call it a sure thing, but the one thing that I would say, I mean, obviously I don't want to speak too ill of, of La Liga. It's been a fantastic competition for so many years. I've it's done enough facing, of that today. <laughs> there is facing some major difficulties at the moment. I mean, let's let, let's let's just call it for what it is. You know, I don't think Messi is going to come from Barcelona uh, and be absolutely glowing in terms of the situation in La Liga right now. And the same with Sergio Ramos as well. You know, both of them have effectively fallen victim of the salary cap system that's been introduced in Spain. Uh, and while it is for the good of the game moving forward, uh, you know, when combined with COVID-19, you know, it's potentially disastrous for, for those players who are sort of getting towards the, the, the latter part of their career. And I think at this moment in time, when you've got a league that's hemorrhaging star names now, we've seen Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi and Ramos all leave in the space of the last couple of years. Um, you've got a decline of those of those teams on the continental front. I mean, okay, I know Villarreal won the, the Europa League, but the Spanish teams haven't been showing particularly well in the last season or so uh, in the Champions League. And it's, uh, it's difficult to make a really strong case right now for why um, Mbappe would move, knowing that if he did go to Real Madrid, it would take a major financial effort from them and they wouldn't be able to build around him, and they have an aging squad. And in Paris, you, I mean, it's impossible to argue that anybody else in uh, the global club game at this moment in time has a stronger squad than PSG do. You know, it's a, okay, it's a question of fine tuning and uh, you know working out the best system to play the best balance of players. But you know, when Leonardo was saying in that Q and A um, towards the end of last year that. He wants to show the likes of Neymar and Mbappe that PSG are the club for the next five years. This is the kind of move that, that shows that PSG was serious about that. It's, it's really difficult to see how Mbappe could turn around and, and say that he is not excited about the business PSG have done this summer. Absolutely. And at the beginning of the show, I mentioned that um, the PSG's online store has already run out of messy shirts. Hopefully they can restock soon. But one question that had come up because I had tweeted out that, you know, PSG are going to recoup a lot from shirt sales and people say, well, the clubs don't really get that much. It's really Nike or Jordan or whatever. Just curious, do you know off the top of your head the percentage that PSG gets from shirt sales? I don't know the figures. Um, You know, obviously we do know that when PSG release items with Jordan it's always of, of quite a limited quantity we don't know exactly how limited that is um, you hope that it's not as limited this time around with with a, with a name like Messi to potentially put on some of these shirts but you know I, I'm, I'm sure that PSG have plenty you know lined up for the coming months uh, you know to, to really capitalize on this best you know we've sort of seen sort of a four shirts per season become become the norm uh, so, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to, to see that sort of uh, project uh, or that sort of venture, uh, you know, rolled out sort of over the coming months. And, you know, obviously with the start of the Champions League, that's the perfect opportunity to, to p- perhaps put out the third shirt, maybe with, with Messi as the, the figurehead of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think as well, you, you know, you look at what was announced by PSG, the moment that they teased uh, the, the the Messi signing. There was already uh, the announcement of a new sponsor in Latin America. That's that already shows you the the kind of impact, the the kind of gravitas that that Messi has 
uh, away from the pitch, you know, and it immediately brings that interest uh, to PSG's door. It's, it's unbelievable, and you have to wonder what new sponsors are going to come in. Um, wrapping up our interview here with Jonathan Johnson of CBS Sports. Just curious, we talked about the shirts and Messi. When are we going to see him in a shirt in a competitive match for PSG? When's his first game? Uh, that's a really good question. I mean, there's been reports, uh, you know, just in the hours after him being confirmed that he wants to play against Strasbourg. I mean, when you bear in mind that he's not really played since uh, Copper America, or he hasn't played since Copper America, he's been on holiday, uh, it's difficult to see him playing much a role against Strasbourg. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure that PSG will probably present him to a full house at Parc des Princes uh, before that game. But in terms of actually seeing him sort of be able to play a proper role, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we're talking Haas, uh, towards the end of the month, or perhaps even Clermont after the international break. Uh, you know, I think that given that Argentina have some important World Cup qualifiers, he's going to want to be in top shape for that. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was Haas, but, uh, you know, we, we will see. Uh, you know, if Messi feels that he's ready and impressed in his medical, perhaps there's a, an opportunity for him to play sort of a cameo role against Strasbourg. But I do think it's really important for PSG that they are prudent, uh, you know, with these new signings like they're being with Sergio Ramos right now. You know, there's no point trying to rush Messi out there on the pitch, potentially injure him uh, and then create problems before the the Champions League has even gotten underway. You know, I think the first match of the Champions League group stage, whoever that's against, that's a realistic sort of aim, uh, you know, for Pochettino to perhaps have a full strength squad available to him uh, and start being able to to really work out what this is favoured 11. Like, like I mentioned earlier, it might be a bit tougher uh, with Bernat, consider he's, considering he's still sort of on the on, on the mend. But, uh, you know, I think that as long as there's not too much pressure applied uh, on him to, to feature immediately and also by himself, on himself, to sort of get back out there on the pitch immediately, sort of, you know, brush away some of those uh, some of those cobwebs left over from, uh, from his time with Barca. Uh, you know, I think it's better that he he takes it, you know, gradually, step by step. And if it means only sort of having a cameo role uh, and then potentially only being able to start just before the international break, then so be it. You know, there is going to be a long season, uh, you know, and the ambition at PSG is that they go deep in all competitions. You know, they regain the Ligue 1 crown. Uh, you know, they, they win the Coupe de France again and they get to at least the final of the Champions League, if yeah. not, you know, going more better and actually winning it. So... It's going to be a long season. The, the players are best off looking after themselves. And I think, you know, Ramos uh, is a good example of, uh, you know, PSG not rushing, uh, you know, one of their new signings uh, back to action too early. Definitely. I think when we do whatever game it is um, that Messi features, it's going to probably be the most watched league on match in history. I can, I think you can uh, take that to the bank. That's probably going to happen. And PSG every season are under pressure to win every trophy. But I think now, I mean, the spotlight is even brighter. We didn't think it could get even brighter um, that PSG need to win anything, everything. And if they don't, then the criticism is going to come. Jonathan, let's get you out of here on this one. It's almost, I'm almost kind of ashamed to ask this question, but could we see any more signings from PSG? I've seen rumblings of Koulibaly, is Pogba done for now until we can maybe get him on a free next summer? Uh, Theo Hernandez um, at left back. I think that's a position PSG still need to address. But just real quick, just talk about any additional transfers you can see actually happening this uh, summer. 
Honestly, I don't see PSG doing any further business this summer if it involves a transfer fee. And I don't think that there are any, uh, you know, really suitable free agents left out there uh, for them to, to go after. So for me now, it's all about trying to move on some of the players who are not going to get much of a look in, you know, depending on the offers that are put in front of PSG. Uh, you know, we know that there are certain players within the squad who PSG would probably listen to offers for. Uh, it's just a question of you know interest sort of coming to the coming to the surface for those players in question. You know it does sound like there are a few interesting opportunities uh, available, and I, I do agree with you as well that I think while Bernat is injured, that left wing back spot uh, is kind of open. You know we heard rumours of Hernandez from AC Milan earlier in the summer, uh, and when you look at the potential formations that PSG could play, you know that move would make a lot of sense. But I can't see PSG being in the position to be able to put the sort of transfer fee in front of a club like an AC Milan or a Manchester United, if we're talking about Paul Pogba, uh, you know, to, to be able to bring them to the negotiating table this summer. You know, Messi, I have no doubt, will will sort of start to pay off in the medium to long term. But in the short term, I think PSG are going to have to make an effort to try and offset some of that, especially on the wage bill. Uh, you know, there's a few players who are rumoured uh, to potentially be on the move right now. And depending on how many of those guys move on, it might give uh, PSG scope for a smart uh, loan signing with an option to buy. Um, you know, or there might be another opportunity that becomes available on the market. Uh, you know, you just look at what's been going on sort of the last couple of days. Uh, you know, you've got Ndombele at, uh, at Tottenham Hotspur, who sounds like he might be sort of available on the market. And that, that sort of player you know, could fit, uh, you know, uh, with PSG's image. You know, we've known that they've been looking at uh, him in the past uh, and he could be a sort of cost-effective alternative to, to Paul Pogba, depending on, you know, what Tottenham Hotspur are looking for him. So I think the priority has to be now trying to, to move uh, some of these players on in the squad who are not going to get as much of a look in under Pochettino. Uh, and then you know, maybe in the last sort of week, 10 days of the transfer window, if there is uh, scope to maybe make uh, another move, then perhaps looking at the, the position that best needs uh, reinforcement. And like we agreed, it seems to be on that left side at the moment. Yeah, one thing's for sure that with Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, PSG, Paris, it's a destination. A lot of the top footballers in the world are going to want to come to Paris and, uh, and play with a team like that. Um, Jonathan, I know it's late over there in Paris. Thank you, thank you so much for uh, coming on and chatting with us for a little bit about this historic moment. Messi to PSG, it's a done deal, and, and now we just we're all sit back and, and watch it, and it should be pretty entertaining. Thank you again. Really appreciate your time. No, thank you very much for having me on. Pleasure as always. <laughs>